When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to season four of the Career Musician Podcast. We have a ton of talent coming your way, and we'd like to thank you for tuning in. Starting off this premiere episode of season four is an incredibly talented and humble musician whom I've had the pleasure of knowing for a long time. So far in his monumental music career, saxman Dave Cause has racked up nine Grammy noms, 11 number one albums, and has toured the world performing for presidents and dignitaries, headlined 13 sold out cruises, and even even has his own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Dave's multifaceted career is one to be marveled, not only as a platinum-selling artist and savvy businessman, but as a humanitarian, partnering with Whole Foods to produce Wine with a Cause, with all proceeds going to charity. And to top it all off, he is the host of his own weekly radio show, The Dave Cause Lounge, on Sirius XM. Without further ado, let's get to know the man himself, Mr. Dave Cause, right here on the Career Musician Podcast. Like I said, I consider it a win. So, uh, all right, here's what I want to talk about. The first thing I want to focus on. Let's talk about the great pivot. The first great pivot, going from sideman musician, and I say in quotes, sideman, side woman, side person, musician, playing with uh, Bobby Caldwell and Richard Marks, to saying, you know what? I love being in those bands. I love working with those artists, but now I'm going to be my own artist. That's a huge step. And let's talk about when you took that step. Like you said, bro, back then it was a big difference to take a step like that than it is these days. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have taken, just because I know my personality, I wouldn't have taken that step if it weren't for people, a couple of very key people saying, you need to do this and we're not going to take no for an answer. And one of those guys was Bobby Caldwell. It was basically my first real gig. In fact, I can remember the first show that I did with Bobby. I don't. Do you remember a place called At My Place in Santa Monica? By any chance, were you around back then? Ah, yeah, yeah. So At My Place in the '80s was absolutely the place to see live music in Los Angeles. It was in Santa Monica. It's kind of a, a smaller club, but it was super hip. And we did a. We were going to do a two-show night on a Saturday night. This was my first gig out of college, getting a chance to play with Bobby Caldwell. Every song had a sax solo. <laughs> so we're doing the first show, and I, I'm really trying to do a great job here. This is like playing in front of a who's who of uh, the music world, coming to see Bobby Caldwell after he had had a long absence from being in the limelight. And now this was his sort of comeback, comeback thing. And uh, so the first show gets done and Bobby, we're leaving the stage and Bobby says kind of in a sort of a mean way, I need to talk to you. I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to get fired from my first gig before the second show. <laughs> it's like, <clears throat> he was really angry with me. He said, what are you doing, man? I said, what, what do you mean? What am I doing? He said, well, I'm every time that this sax solo comes, I'm sort of moving off to the side of the stage to give you the stage to take it over. It's like, it's your show for those 16 bars or whatever. And you're staying like in your position and kind of being all timid and like, what are you doing that for? Help me out here. 
I think he regretted ever ever saying those words to me because the second show was like, "Move out of the way, Bobby." I'm coming through. That's not the Dave Cause that I know. <laughs> I know the new Dave Cause after that Bobby incident. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, I think he, he recognized that there was something inside of me that needed to come out that I was too, I don't know, at that time I was just too afraid for it to come out or, you know, I was just been, I think it has a lot to do with how I grew up and um, the some of the things that I was fighting against in my own psyche about uh, growing up as a gay kid and not really wanting to to uh i wanted to blend in that's really the way that i can coped as a kid was just trying to blend in as much as possible so when it came to time to not blend in it was really kind of a you know i didn't necessarily gravitate to that but because of bobby um and then through bobby i met a guy named jeff lorber and Lorber was the one that really changed my life. And I auditioned for his band, and it was during that audition, which was very quick, he not only said, you got the gig, but that day, the day that I met him, he said, I want to help you get a record deal because you should be making your own records. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I, I thought he was smoking crack or something. But sure enough, we made demos, and those demos got me signed to Capitol Records in the kind of towards the late 80s. And... Haven't looked back since. That's incredible. Okay, so uh, for those who may not know, Jeff Lorber is a, is a contemporary jazz icon, uh, you know, keyboard player, composer, you know, artist. Um, to have an endorsement like that from such a recognized figure, or even just somebody to, you know, who even if he wasn't full, fully recognized yet, but to ha have that kind of weighty endorsement, that's a big deal. And what do you say to the people who feel like they need to be an artist, but they don't have that endorsement? Uh, yeah, this is that's a very difficult thing because um, some of it is just guilt by association. But that's that's a little bit more of an old older model uh, where pe people would, in order to get uh, seen, you would often play with somebody <clears throat> that had that was playing in front of a lot more people than you could ever play with. Um, that I think is still exists. I mean, you look at in the pop world when pop megastars decide to combine their efforts to create a, a moment, a situation where it busts both of their audiences wide open. <clears throat> That's sort of like the, the, the new model of pop music where you have these superstars coming together for collaborations. Uh, and they bring all of their own followings together and thereby creating this massive explosion of energy. Uh, <clears throat> obviously not on the same level, but there are th that does exist now. You see that um, a lot where younger artists, specifically instrumentalists, going on tour with perhaps vocalists or other instrumentalists, or doing dates with them, or doing live streams with them now in, in the pandemic. There's a lot of collaboration going on. And I think that collaboration is, is even though this the rules have changed and there's not really any rules now, I think the, the, the that uh, element of having someone else who's more established say, this guy really can play, this guy is amazing, this guy really knows how to do a show, and sort of Put it, keeping that person under their wing and giving them that opportunity to be seen. I think that that's still being done, and I still think that that's a, perhaps the the best way for someone new to get new eyeballs on them. 
Right. It's almost the uh, the, the fast track in a sense. Yeah. And, you know, we, we know relationships are still the key component to human connection, right? You know, when you have those relationships, it, it definitely helps. Uh, but I like what you said earlier, going back to your reference about the digital native culture, you know, the, the new generations, they're digital natives. They, that's how they're brought up. Um, and there are no rules, like you just said. So that's a good thing. So I think if people who hear this need to hear this say look if you have somebody like dave cause telling you this giving you that permission oftentimes i feel like sometimes we just need somebody to say go do this you have permission you can crush it you know what i mean just that little prompting that helps you know hey the world is for for young musicians and artists with something to say my comment to you is very basic the world is waiting for you and not just waiting for you the world needs you Think of all the shit that's come at us. This I hope that this is not a. Uh, a you can. Uh, sorry for my swear words, but I'm a New Yorker, come on. <laughs> this is this has been such a year of. I mean, just you can't imagine what's been thrown at us. Um, music is the one thing that you can go to. It's just so pure. I, I look at people who said like, what? How would you describe music? To me, music is like the equivalent of um, if you had a, a pitcher of water and you poured it out on the sidewalk and watched where the water went, it would go just completely independently to all the little nooks and crannies. It would just find those nooks and crannies in the sidewalk and would know intuitively to go there. And that's what music does to one's soul, to me, is it, 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 it penetrates and then it kind of like, <clears throat> it knows where to go to pro uh, provide you with that inspiration that you need. So I think now, as our world has gotten so complicated and so tribal um, and, and so like people not talking to each other, music is, is that it can be, I don't want to be so overly dramatic here, but it can be the bridge. Because you can have two people that are completely diametrically opposed in every aspect but you play one song that they both like and there's that bridge so what a great illustration both of them this the, the bridge and the water i mean fantastic okay uh not to take up too much of your time so i want to keep the pace going look 2020 you released a, a brand new album a new day okay uh 20 albums right i believe 18 studio albums two live albums so 20 albums, 2020 new album, you, you know, you're crushing the numbers here. You have quite the discography, you know, talk about that from your days, your, your initial days with Capital, and then, you know, going as a, an independent artist and just, you know, really developing, honing your craft as that artist. I had 20 wonderful years at Capitol, um, <clears throat> survived seven administrations, <laughs> seven different presidents. And uh, I found that the best thing to do is to keep my head down, not make any sudden movements, and hope that I don't get dropped, which I didn't until my contract, and my actual contract ran out. And they didn't renew it because, I mean, I kept thinking 10 years earlier they wouldn't renew it, but, you know, so I had 10 wonderful years of capital uh, and about, um, I think, somewhere around seven or eight at Concord. Uh, really loved working with Concord as well. Some some of those guys are still my best friends, but it seemed like the right the right time to uh, to to do this in house. Have a great team. Um, 
uh, that that really wanted to take this on. And um, so we released, uh, I think our first one was a live album the, from our cruise. And then we did a Christmas album in 2019 and then a new day but the new day uh, album project well, that was a big one because it was the first time i'd made a uh quote-unquote dave cause original album in a long time it had been 10 years since i made an original album i made a lot of albums in the in the last 10 years but they were more uh uh marketing projects really like summer horns and christmas and stuff like that well i'm, I'm glad you mentioned that sorry i'll save that for the next continue sorry but basically, it was just a, a, a great chance to, um, when the pandemic hit, uh, I looked around at what other people were doing and what I wanted to do. And I thought, God, this would be a great time to just, I haven't been on a break in, a, I don't remember the last time I ever had a break. Maybe I should have a break. <laughs> like plug back in and, and read some books. And I don't know, you can't travel, but okay, well, maybe I can just hole up somewhere. Anyway, the more I thought about it, I was like, no, because I was I went immediately to my music, to the music that makes me the artists that make me feel better. And I saw that that was how I was coping. And I thought, all right, well, I guess I should really I should do this and see if I can make some music that will help some people. And then I got really into it and then um, kind of harnessing that that raw uh, excitement of all these musicians that were at home with nothing to do. And I would call like, you know, whether it was Nathan East or Paul Jackson Jr. or John Robinson or whoever, you know, these amazing, the best musicians in the world. And they'd be like, can you send over the track today? I, it, I can't wait. And then we would get these songs and they would like, I'd put them up on the, and listen to them. And this tracks would explode with this energy. So it was like, okay. And then I got totally just really into it and pulling it all together. The thing came together remarkably fast. The songs were written in the pandemic and we produced the whole album. And then, um, and then we put it out in October. It came out 30 years and one day after my debut album came out. So that was kind of a nice, uh, really nice sort of uh, rite of passage moment to and and nobody cares about anniversaries really nomad other than me and maybe my family <laughs> so it doesn't really matter but it was just a nice thing to acknowledge you know this is amazing to be able to 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 be a an artist uh toiling in this crazy craft which is so i mean the nice thing about instrumental music jazz our format if you will our genre uh, is made up of fans that are really dedicated, that are very loyal. And as long as you're putting out good music, they're going to stay with you. So I just felt very proud and excited and and um, just it's celebratory, really, to be able to have a career that lasted this long. It doesn't, I mean, I'm really super grateful because I know how rare it is to have a 30-year career and hopefully more. I don't take anything for granted, but I hope to have some more years ahead. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out. 
because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. Well, man, that gratitude really goes a long way. And I find throughout my career, I'm the same way. I'm very grateful to have the wonderful career that I've had and hope to continue having. Uh, but in what I find in my own walk throughout the career is the higher up the ladder you go, like with the bigger artists and, and the more talented the people are, the more humility they exude. And, and that's, you know, that's just so important. You know, uh, okay, I have to get back to this. The album, A New Day, we have David Sanborn, Bob James, Paul Jackson Jr., Mark Antoine, Rick Braun, you know, Jeff Lorber, Chris Davis, Antoine Stanley, Brian McNair. I mean, and then you have the cats behind the cats, Nathan East and J.R. Robbins, you know, so it's like the cats and the cats, you know. Uh, I always talk about A-listers, you know. Um, we grew up in a time where the A-listers were the cats. You called them the cats or the session aces or the A-list cats. And I, I keep saying that word because it's such a it's such an old term. I know uh, it, date, it dates myself, but I think it's really cool because that's what the career musician is founded on. These people that we looked up to that had such a standard of excellence when they performed, when they played their instrument, whether it be in the studio or live. And you have collaborated with, I would say, 90 percent of them, you know, uh, talk about that a little bit, because and like you said, when you got the recordings back, it just jumped at you and it was it brought life to it and talk about that concept of you know these a-listers and what that you know means from your perspective yeah. uh i couldn't agree more with what you said too before about like the higher you go the more humility you find i've found that i'll give you a great example of that actually uh ricky minor was producing an album a christmas album for uh, of mine I'd say about, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago, something like that. And uh, we were doing a version. The end song was uh, All You Need Is Love, the Beatles, All You Need Is Love. Mm -hmm. And we slowed it really down, and it, it was beautiful. And we had all the artists. It was a collaboration album. We had all the artists sing a line or two of the of the lyric, kind of a We Are the World way to end the uh, the album. So we had Johnny Mathis and Eric Benet and Richard Marks was on that, B.B. Winans and Gloria Stefan. We had a who's who of amazing artists. And then uh, Ricky said, I'm, I think I can get Stevie to come and play some harmonica on this. And I've known Stevie Wonder for a, for a long time. I wouldn't call him, you know, I do have his phone number, but I wouldn't necessarily call him out of the blue. But Ricky, is they're great friends. So I said, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. So the next thing I know, um, 
Ricky says, Stevie's said he's going to come tonight. And I left for the day because uh, he said, it's, you know, knowing Stevie, he said he would come at 8 o'clock, but it's probably going to be like 11 o'clock or midnight. So I went to go get food. I, I met a friend for dinner. And uh, while I'm at dinner, uh, Ricky calls me on my cell phone. He says, Stevie is here. You got to get here right now. And he was way early. Like he was actually maybe the, for the first time ever, you know, he showed up at the time that he was said he was going to come. So I rushed back to Hollywood from the west side. I get out of my car. And as I got out of my car, I could hear the harmonica, that iconic sound coming from Stevie Wonder playing on my music, out of body. So I get into this, to the control room. There's Ricky, big smile on his face. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Stevie Wonder playing on this thing. This was his first take. He finished the, I walked in on his first take um, and he finished his first take. It was glorious. It was perfection. He gets to the end of the track and he says, nah, give me another another pass, please. And then we, we look at each other, uh, Ricky and I were like, that was the one, of course. Uh, but give him another track, give him another track, it's the end of that. No, let me have another one. He did 10 tracks of harmonica. Stevie Wonder, on a project that was a favor to his friend, on a project that he was not getting paid anything for, that would do n nothing for him necessarily, and yet he couldn't not be the, the excellent person and artist that he is. He had to show up and do his best till he was satisfied. Not till the producer was satisfied, but till he was satisfied with what he was doing on this favor project. And then he, he got to, we, we uh, of course we used the first pass, but then um, Ricky said, you know you wanna sing on this, and then he did 10 tracks of vocals, and the same kind of thing too. So it really was like maybe in in the in the most beautiful way uh, a, a a pure explanation of why somebody is great. Why is Stevie Wonder so great? Of course he's got the talent, but it's his commitment. The commitment to excellence is what I think makes people consistently great. I like that. that and there you go. That's a Dave Cos quote right there. Brilliant man. So cool. So cool. Okay. Well said. All right. So we go from this beautiful career. You're hustling. You finally realize, you know what? I'm going to take 2020. I'm going to take a little break. And you're like, oh, I'm going to catch my breath. I'm going to read. I'm going to do some things and create. And you end up making a whole new album. But walk us through uh, a day in the life of Dave Cause. You know, I always say that... Uh, you know, routine is everything. And it's t difficult. As musicians, we have so much free time. We dictate, you know, if we're working in the music field and we're making some income, then we get to dictate our daily schedule. We could do what we want. That could be a blessing and a curse, right? Because <laughs> if you don't use time wisely, it sneaks up on you and bites you in the ass. So yeah. how do you prevent that? How, because clearly you have been busy your whole career doing so many other things. Um, what's the day in the life of Dave Koss? Well, over the last several years, we've we've put together a really um, in, incredibly dynamic team of professionals, uh, different age groups. Uh, I have sort of a, an executive team that helps me uh, with the projects that I do. I have a lot of different things going on at one time, so it may look like uh, there's a lot of output coming, but I have a tremendous amount of people 
uh, really talented people that help really pull all of this together. So there is the radio, I do a fair amount of radio. So there's the people that I work with to, on the radio stuff. There's the cruise business, which is on hold, of course, now, but will come back. And I think it will come back strong next year in 2022. Um, so that's been a really interesting uh, uh, business, side business. Uh, there's the touring business, too, which has been on hold as well. We'll hopefully see that come back. Um, and then there's the recorded output, there's social media, there's, there's so many different aspects um, and, and each one of those aspects has uh, people attached to it to help me kind of pull it all together. So it really is about the, the team and the teamwork and they kind of keep me going. I have a, uh, an assistant who, whose name is Janice and she is kind of like, the, the uh, believe it or not, she's the one that, that keeps me on track. She'll say like, you, you need to do this and this and this and this today. It's like, okay, yes, thank you very much. And, and the producer of our cruise, if there's stuff that needs to be happening there, they'll push and point me. Like uh, tomorrow we're sending an email to the, our database because of this, uh, the Brian McKnight um, Valentine's li li uh, live stream. Live streaming is a brand new business for us. I mean like that, I never even thought about that. And for a new day, uh, we did a live stream and then we did one for Christmas and now we're doing one for Valentine's. It's, a, it's really a kind of especially during the pandemic when people can't leave their houses to see a show we just bring the show to them and so many people have done it and are doing it on on such a high level so um that's been really interesting but i think it's it's just that it's about the the if if you're not able to have a team and i know recognize the fact that that might not be possible for a lot of people at the stage that they're at uh then you just have to be a good hat wearer and wake up in the morning and decide what hat you want to put on for an hour. Uh, and then you put that hat on. Okay, I'm going to be the publicist for an hour. And then you get, you know, send stuff out. And then you're going to put the the, uh, the artist hat and you work on your music for a little while. And then you're going to be the social media uh, entrepreneur and do that for a little while. I, I admire the people so much. People like, um, like Adam Holly. I don't know if you know Adam, the guitar player. Adam is really a, a remarkably talented guy. He's an amazing guitar player like yourself. Uh, but he's also just fearless in what he takes on. He's just like, okay, I, I want to, I'm going to, I made a record. I'm going to try my best at being an artist in this format. He, he opened up the, the playbook, which of course there is none. And, uh, and just kind of like said, uh, all right, what do I do? I got to do, okay, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to just get busy. And he created uh, a really wonderful career for himself. Last 2020, his song, one of his songs was the number one Billboard of the Year. But Billboard's Smooth Jazz Song of the Year, Adam Holly. Crushing it. Absolutely. That's a great example. We have to have him on the show. Uh, we have a lot of mutual friends, Adam and I, but we don't know each other directly. Uh, but I love that example because you're right he just started out of nowhere and said i'm going to do this and bam he made it happen yeah so it's it. like again it's commitment it's it's that having that passion that gone sadly gone are the days where an artist can just be an artist and have i mean i suppose that does happen uh from time to time but if you're in a niche format like this is that we're talking about the more instrumental world of music which is where i come from 
uh, it's very much a niche format. So you're going to basically find a lot of people doing things on shoestring budgets and doing the best that they can to make things happen. And you can. Uh, the, the, uh, the old music business was, let's see how many people we can get. So it was a horizontal business, right? right? Let's throw something at them and see if we can get this big, massive group, right? And then now it's much more of a, of a vertical business. It's not as much bandwidth, right? It's a smaller little slice, but you can use that slice to go way up and down on the spectrum. So at the bottom would be, here's my social media. It's free. Here's content that's free. Here's my YouTube channel, free, free, free. And then you get up here and you start to see, well, here's some live shows and the blah, 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 live streams, blah, 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 cruise, you know. So there's all different kinds of entry points for fans to engage. And I, I think that that is increasingly more important now. And that really falls, I hate to say it, on the creators to come up with those things. Hey, this is Dave Koz. You're listening to The Career Musician with my buddy Nomad. Be sure to subscribe to The Career Musician podcast and like The Career Musician on all social platforms to stay up to date on news and topics that affect your music career. Being a career musician is more than just gigs and sessions. Are you a career musician? Find out on The Career Musician podcast, streaming everywhere. I was going to delineate all these. You have the Dave Cos Cruise. You have the radio show, like you said. Uh, the, what is it? The C-Note Lounge. I love that uh, uh, catch line. A weekly C-Jazz hang. That's cool. The Dave Cos Lounge, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you have uh, Cos Wines, right? I do. And, and you are like, in my opinion, because I was, I've been in the smooth jazz circle for a long time, although no longer I'm in there, uh, but you were the... Uh, the mayor of bringing everybody together on these on these collaborative tours. You were, you know, putting together the the joint bill, if you will. You know, you've done all these different projects. That is once again, that's the definition of taking that vertical business model and using it to your advantage. Like you have really, you know, explored that to the T. I, I look at it now, as I said from infiltration there are so many people that are out there right now that are doing doing just that in like they are miles and miles ahead of me and they're quite significantly younger <laughs> so uh i i'm just like i'm, I'm kind of like doing the whole thing of looking at other people and what can i what can i glean from them one guy who this is a, a pretty cool story i'm not sure how much time i have but i'll, I'll try and tell it quickly but um, and that is the Corey Wong and Wolfpack. Yes. Which was a big shot in the arm and a big eye opener to me. Uh, I had no idea who these people were. And Corey Wong, all of a sudden, out of, out of the blue, I started getting messages, uh, social media messages from Corey Wong fans saying, you need to get Corey Wong on your cruise. Little did I know that this guy, this artist, guitar player, in his own shows would put on a green screen images from our uh, cruise and talk about me in his show saying, all right, and he's a very irreverent guy, by the way. So he gets away with a lot of shit. It's, he's hilarious, by the way. But he would, he would, I, I don't know him, right? 
he would uh, put images of me behind him and say, who's this guy? Why does he have a cruise and I don't? And so you guys, talking to his audience, you guys got to drive this guy crazy until he meets me and realizes how great we all are and puts us on our on his cruise, which, by the way, happened. <laughs> of course. I saw the show where you played with him at Madison Square Garden. It was amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was just so funny because, you know, he's he's the guitarist of Volpec, also has his own very successful career. Yeah. And I just uh, I met him and I fell in love with the kid and just he's such a talented guy. And the Volpec guys. But the guy who runs the Wolfpack um, entourage, entourage, the whole initiative, is a guy named Jack Stratton. This guy is a genius. Brilliant. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I don't know how he's created this. I mean, they, his band, which is basically a jazz band, sold out Madison Square Garden. I was there. I, I saw it with my own eyes. Isn't that crazy? A jazz funk band. Yeah. Yeah. And, and young people, like 20s and 30s, going and freaking out by funky jazz music right so anyway i kind of went in with both feet i became very good friends with Corey. we got to i went uh, in 2019 early in the before the pandemic i went to minnesota we wrote a bunch of songs together and we created an album we recorded it uh in this last fall of 2020 i had a very kind of prolific 2020 i was like really into uh creating music so we have this whole album uh Corey and me that's going to come out um, probably this spring or early summer, and uh, it's with his band and a five-person five horn section. It is the funkiest, realest, most, um, it's so present. We recorded it in the studio live, captured it on film, a four-camera shoot while it was going down uh, over three days. And so there's an immediacy to that music that hasn't really been felt in anything else I've ever done in, in quite the same way. So I'm really excited, and part of this whole thing is really tapping into Corey's uh, mo, like letting him almost be the marketing chief of this project and letting him run with it. And my team and I just observe, help where 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 we can help. But the, this I've never before had a project about to come out that could truly uh, it can truly introduce me to another whole segment of the population that I really don't know anything about and doesn't know anything about me. And those instances are really rare. That's very hard to find uh, because collaborations often take place in the same general genre that you're already in. So it can help. So you see in the in the smooth jazz genre, you see a lot of collaborations, but they're both of people that come from this world. That's right. But if you can collaborate with someone that comes from a completely different world and have the opportunity. I'm not saying it's going to work. That's the big question. I think it's at least the opportunity to access completely new people. That to me is the exciting part. I think it's going to work swimmingly. It already has the little bit that you have collaborated. But let me ask you this. Do you think that, like you say, this this whole new uh, group of, of, of people, do you think that's going to inform where the smooth jazz market goes? In other words, will this be a new incarnation of that? I hope so. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, yeah. on the Sirius XM show that I do on Watercolors, which is the contemporary jazz or smooth jazz channel, right. 
uh, I do a two-hour show on Sundays, and I use that show to push the envelope always. And uh, Trinity, who's the uh, program director of that channel and a dear friend of mine, she, she's supportive of it. Because she realizes that we have to, this this genre needs to and has to for its survival, uh, incorporate new people, and new people really means younger people. So uh, if I can play Snarky Puppy on that, normally Snarky Puppy wouldn't necessarily be on watercolors, but I can play it, and I can play Wolfpack, and I can play Masego, I can play um, uh, uh, what are the two guys, the surfer guys that. Um, had that song called Sunday Morning. You know the one I'm talking about? Ah, uh, hip. Eric G. Uh, oh, sir, it's called Surfaces. It's these two surfer dudes, young guys that basically make kind of, I don't know, sort of reggae uh, surfing kind of music, but it's got a jazzy flair to it too. And I played them, you know. So it's like turning people on to these other artists that have huge followings in their own world, but. Nobody in this world knows who they are necessarily. Snarky puppy for sure, but um, you know, any any chance that I can to kind of bend bend the rules and increase that envelope of what people are hearing and, and liking, I think it's great. And, and if the byproduct of that is creating new fans and younger fans, then we all win. Amen to that. Exactly. See, look, that's brilliant. All right. So I meant to ask you earlier. When you're going throughout your 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 routines and everything and all these business plans, and do you ever I love I love bringing this up because I think this is very important, especially to the creative community. Do you ever get overwhelmed? Do you ever feel like, oh boy, what am I gonna do? And if so, if that happens, if you're human, <laughs> do you have a mantra that gets you through or or a process that to kind of pull yourself out? I totally get overwhelmed <laughs> usually that happens in this uh i don't know if this happens for you bud but um in the morning after i've woken up but i'm not out of bed yet there's this like kind of half sleep and the day and the projects and the to-do list and the deliverables that fall in my lap hit me in that moment and that's when i get panicked yes <laughs> and i will go through whatever 10 15 minutes of panic Right. And then I get out of bed and I realize, oh, you know what? This is it's not so bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can do this. Um, and the other thing, I think the, the best uh, way to deal with that, for me at least, is just to recognize that nothing in reality is as important as I think it is in my head. I mean, all of this stuff, if you don't do something, you don't do something. If you don't get up and write a song, you don't get up and write a song. You can try tomorrow. It's really taking the pressure off. Now, you have to have a certain amount of pressure on, otherwise you'll never do anything. So uh, it's finding that right balance and knowing yourself and knowing your what you're, how, how best to corral your creative juices. And some people need to take big breaks like there's I'm on a big break from the saxophone and happy to do it like I haven't played the saxophone for uh, since Christmas um, and I probably won't really play it much until you know probably February 1st and that's that's good for me whereas other people would be like how could you possibly not play for a month I'm like I can totally take a break. So I know that that, part, that actually helps me when I come back to it. Mm. It's like, hey, I missed you. Old you know? friend, yes. Would you say you have to 
earn that ability to take a break because like a, a younger musician who doesn't have the chops yet can't take a two day break without losing it all. Right. So that taking a break only comes after years of extensive, you know, hitting the, hitting the shed. Probably you're probably right. Um, but I also think that if it's like this, uh, what, what young, uh, young kids who are taking up the saxophone or any instrument actually, or their parents, uh, might, if I meet a, a parent of a kid who just took up the saxophone and they're saying, oh, he doesn't want to practice or she doesn't want to do this. And it's like, don't, don't force them. I mean, they have to come to music, uh, in their own way. And if it's there, it will show itself. If it's not there then you don't have to worry about it. But by forcing somebody to do it, and even if you're, the person forcing you is yourself, if it doesn't feel good and you don't want to do it and it becomes a chore and it becomes kind of like work, I think that taking a day off is a good thing, even if you're a, a new player. And then when you come back to it, you can say, I really want to be here. The, the, I think the thing that separates um, musicians that are successful to me, this is a little bit of a controversial thing to say, but it's not so much about the hard work and the, you know, the, the doing the, the, I mean, there's a lot of that. You have to be prepared, but you have to like love it and want and uh, like breathe it and, and want it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you, like for me, I, I, l I love all of it. I don't just love playing the saxophone. I love the whole thing. I love the the promotional part of it. I love the marketing part of it. I love the you know the the show business part of it. I love putting together the lights and the you know the whatever. My one day when I'm able to afford uh, pyro, I want pyro in my show. Damn it! <laughs> but coming out of the horn, right? Just <laughs> coming, yeah, coming straight out of the bill. But uh, the, the thing is, I think the, 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 the artists that really have that staying power and have that success um, for long term longevity is that they that the passion for what they do, the full spectrum of what they do is there. And so you have to find that passion of, in one way or another. Um, but it also has to remain fun because if it isn't fun, then you're not going to enjoy doing it. That's a, a great uh, perspective, Eric G, to bring in. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Um, I can identify with that, Dave, because there are times where I don't play guitar. And I, I do have buddies who are like, man, if I don't play every day, I go nuts. And I'm like, ah. mm -hmm. if I don't play every day, I actually enjoy not playing every day because for some reason, when I come back to it, it keeps it fresh. Yeah. Now, and to quantify this is very important. Could I be better? Absolutely. Are there guitar players that blow me away in the chops category? Absolutely. But nobody's me. Nobody plays the guitar the way I play it. Nobody plays the saxophone the way Dave Cos plays it, right? And right. I, we have to remember that. So the younger musician who knows that they're going to enter in as a pro has to keep that in mind, right? Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, 
you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. I, I, my, one of my first experiences with uh, being face-to-face with greatness was when I was still in high school and somehow through a friend of a friend of a friend of a sister of a friend, I got backstage to meet David Sanborn before his concert at the Greek Theater. Sold out concert, 5,000 people at the Greek Theater. This was probably 1980, maybe something like that, 81, something like that. Uh, Freaked out. This guy, number one saxophone idol, grew up listening to his records, putting his records on, imitating him, trying to be like him. And now I'm face to face with him. Uh, in his dressing room, and I was I was so tongue tied, and finally was able to like bumbling fool just got out. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm so, I just want to be like you. I want to just I want to sound like you. I want to be like you. I want to learn all your lists. And he was like, I could tell he was, he was sort of had it enough. He said, stop, <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, dude, I'm still here. I hope to have a lot more years of doing this. Let me be me, and you just find you. Like there's got to be something in there if you're good that you do that nobody else can do. So you you find that and do that. And it was like a probably the best advice I'd ever gotten from uh, another professional. And um, later we uh, David and I became friends and colleagues. And I got up the nerve in 2016 to invite him on uh, on a tour. That was like a side by side tour, and he said yes. I'll never forget it because it was the the most uh, like being on tour with the guy that I grew up fantasizing being. You know, it was just a real kind of out of body experience. Anyway, every uh, shot that was taken, uh, people like a fan shot. If you you can look it up right now on um, on Google, just type in Dave Cox plus David Sanborn. You'll see the same damn shot. It's taken by multiple people. And it shows David Sanborn on one side of the stage, head cocked back and, you know, playing saxophone, eyes closed, totally into it. And then over to the right of him is me going, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's David Sanborn. I'm on the, I'm on the t- t- tour with David Sanborn. <laughs> hey, man, that's, hey, dreams do come true. Come on. That's <laughs> a great testament. That's awesome. <laughs> But he was he was the first person that told me exactly what you said. There are people that can blow circles around me, technique-wise, and everybody has something to say in their own unique way. And so you can't copy, don't copy somebody else. Find the real you that's waiting to come out and um, nurture that. And, uh, and then when you're ready, share it with the world and share it proudly and know that you're not like, there's a lot of people that feel like, uh, well, why me? And you know, should I be doing this? And there's so many other talented people. Yes, you. Yes, you. Yes, now. Share your gift. It's very, very. It's actually our lives depend on it. That's as uh, bold as I'm going to get on this conversation. I think that our lives depend on music and art saving us from ourselves. That's amazing. I always ask for words of wisdom, and that's the best. This past 10, 15 minutes of the, the last portion, you've been really delivering that, and thank you so much. The whole episode has been so insightful. Uh, you know, just pearls of wisdom everywhere. Dave Cause, I mean, 
I don't know what else to say. Thank you so much. You're amazing, bro. <laughs> you rock. <laughs> well, I've enjoyed this. Uh, I've enjoyed this so much, Nomad, and I'm very proud to see that that you're doing this to uh, to really inspire and nurture the next generation of artists. And um, Eric G, thank you, buddy, very very much. And uh, are you a musician too, Eric G? I am. I am. I'm a keyboardist, primarily keyboardist singer. Uh, I work mostly as a producer. I work really closely with Nomad. In fact, we kind of do everything together. <laughs> this kid is ridiculous, Dave. He's a badass. And you know what? I actually have a really good story about this. <laughs> and Dave, I got to tell you, because you'll appreciate this. I met Eric G. He was working for an organization, ETM LA, uh, Education Through Music, the LA chapter. He's an educator. He started as an educator. Fantastic. But he's also just a dope ass player all the way around. I was in rehearsals with Babyface and I needed a keyboard player. The keyboard player that I had on the team, I had two, but one of them called in sick. And you know how that is when you're prepping for a tour date. It's like, you can't call in sick. What the hell do you mean you're sick? Get your ass down here, you know, like, but hey, he couldn't make it. Yeah. I call Eric G, right? I'm like, yo, I hit him up. Get to, get to center staging. I need you right now, bro. Come on. He goes, I'm sorry. I'm in the middle of a class. I can't do it. I got to teach these kids. I'm like, okay, I respect that. As soon as the class is over, get your ass down there. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't, man. I'm committed to this. I have to see this through. And and the, my first reaction was, how dare you say no to me, right? <laughs> but then, you know, after thinking about it and talking to him about it, I'm like, wow, this kid stuck up for, you know, stood up for him for what he believed in and what he committed to. And that is a trait that is just you know that's an uncommon trait that's worth gold right wouldn't you yeah. agree i i agree and now i really really want to hear what you got going on eric g <laughs> there you go exactly you should well, send me something send me send me a little link to 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 uh you have my email address send, send me something that i can listen to your music for sure for sure i definitely will um, yeah we i mean we got a, we got a latin project coming up uh, we're bringing a lot of collaborators on that too. Um, but yeah, I just have so many, just like you said, wearing so many different hats, you know, just have so many different projects going on. And luckily so, because during the pandemic, yeah. who knows what would have happened. Yeah. Um, Giving us all a chance to be as resourceful as possible. I do have one question. Is that Elvis above your bed or somebody else? <laughs> uh, that is. My dad painted that. That's amazing. Now, shouldn't I get a little credit for just knowing that that was his mouth? I couldn't see anything oh, other than yeah, his mouth. Yeah, you're the first person to ever recognize him just by just the Batman over here with just the... the yeah, that's that's all I saw. Not even the nose. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. That's a really dad, great painting. Uh, my dad's an artist, and we have his paintings in every room of his house um and he does that with oils which is crazy because oil paintings they're usually very textured and it's different type of technique and he's the only person i've ever seen in my life who gets airbrush blending with oil painting and he does portraits like this like he's got portraits of beautiful. everybody yeah that's beautiful Will you tell him uh way to go i appreciate his uh, his elvis for sure for sure <laughs> God, thank you guys so much Absolutely. Oh, we have one more segment. Quick segment. Yes. It's going to take a minute, literally. We're going yeah. to turn you rapid fire questions. You ready? Ready. Okay. All right. Marie, I'm going to show you the timer on my phone, and then you, you have a minute to get answer as many as you can. Okay. All right. 
In three, two, one. Top three artists in your playlist. Uh, no judging. Justin Bieber changes. I think it's probably the best pop album I've heard in a very, very long time. Oh, there's this guy named Christopher Willits. Um, and uh, okay, next question. Three tour essentials. Uh, hair dryer. Um, uh, oh, these are hard. <laughs> <laughs> hair dryer, uh, probably a crystal, and um, a saxophone. Saxophones are very important. Favorite decade of music. 70s. Nice. Hidden talents. Crossword puzzle. Your friends would say you are? Um, very gay. <laughs> what entertains you? <laughs> what? What entertains you? Uh, <laughs> oh, I love movies. Love movies. Uh, love going out to dinner with friends when we could do that again. And uh, okay, no, no, last one, last one. I love that. What would you do if you weren't a career musician? I always wanted to be an architect because I love building so much. Um, but then I realized very soon uh, when I did some research that you have to be good at math, and I suck at math, so that was that was a no go. But I, I love. I, I still love going out and walk, taking walking, uh, like architecture walks, and and seeing buildings and and stuff like that. That's incredible. I, I, I love that. Too. It's, I always there said an architect or a designer. I think most musicians, we love that kind of stuff, right? We just, yeah, you know, yeah. the appreciation. Building things. Yeah, exactly. Once again, it's all, it's all art. Exactly. You're amazing, bro. We appreciate it. You know, I did want to mention that, uh, again, as encouragement, I love that you have the, the Children's Foundation, the Starlight Children's Foundation, all the proceeds from the wine go there. And also, you know, your lifestyle, you know, coming out as a gay man, I wanted to, you know, shine some light on that because maybe there are some other people struggling with that. And you mentioned it a couple of times. I certainly don't want to gloss it over. So if there's anything that you want to say regarding that, I would love for you to. I, I just think that we all come from it, it goes back to what we were talking about before which is what can you bring that nobody else can bring so if whatever it is that you're dealing with if it's uh, you know who, who you are uh, in that domain romantically or what what uh, if you're gay or straight or trans or whatever it is that you are bring that to the bring that to your music bring that to your creativity use everything that you got and don't uh, try not to, because I did for a very long time, looked at my uh, being gay as a negative. And I was very, I had a lot of shame associated with that. It has a lot, lot to do with the years that I was, that I was, uh, year I was born and the time that I was brought up. Uh, I had it a lot better than the generation before me. They had it better than the generation before them. It hopefully consistently gets better uh, in how we deal with these differences among people. But everybody has unique traits and differences and um and unique points of reflection that they can bring to who they are how they show up in the world and your creative output so use it all and don't shy away from any of it i love that once again dave cause it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.